Today's reading may be found on page 1135 of the Pew Bibles and is taken from Romans chapter 9, beginning at verse 19. The creation waits in eager expectation for the sons of God to be revealed. For the creation was subjected to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the glorious freedom of the children of God. We know that the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. Not only so, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved. But hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what he already has? But if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groans that words cannot express. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints in accordance with God's will. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your words to us this morning. We thank you for words that have spoken through through centuries, that still speak fresh to us today. Would you help us to see them with new eyes, with new hearts? Would you come and reveal yourself to us today? In Jesus' name, amen. I've missed... um, most of the series up until now, a very, very exciting series, helping us think more about who is the Holy Spirit. How do we understand how the Spirit works? And today we're thinking about how the Spirit helps us to pray. And isn't it strange how God brings different words at different times, and you can just sometimes see this is a word for today. And in so many ways, this is a word for today. What we're going to be thinking about speaks to a lot of the questions that so many of us bring and responds to some of the events we've seen unfold over the weekend. Paul loves theology. He loves big picture stuff. And so Romans is a bit scary to preach on because there is this sense of a big picture that Paul is painting, sometimes with quite complicated words. But we need to understand something of the big picture he paints to then grasp the meaning of what he's saying and the application of what he's saying. He takes the big picture and then he says, but because of this, then, in your day-to-day life, this is what it means. And he gets very, very practical. 
So he's painting a big picture of creation. Of creation groaning. As in the, as in the sense of childbirth, the pain of childbirth. Subject to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it. That sense that creation groans. I wonder if you've ever thought about that before. But yet, it makes so much sense, doesn't it? That the world we live in is not the world that God has designed. What we see happen around us is not part of God's ultimate plan. God has created creation for good. And he has a promise of that ultimate fulfilment of creation being restored and renewed. But we're not there yet. And we as people know that, but the sense of the whole of creation knows that. And the whole of creation groans. I love that word. It groans because it is not right. When you know something is not right, there is something deep inside, in your gut, in your stomach, in your heart, wherever it works for you, that just knows this is not right. This is not how it should be. And creation is not where it should be. Sin has entered into the world. And we do not live under God's rule as we should. And Paul is recognising that. And he's saying we grieve for that. And the whole of creation grieves for that. Watching the news this weekend, there has been that sense of groaning, of pain as we see the events unfurl, of recognising that this should not be happening The irony of Remembrance Sunday last week, remembering back to the past and saying we do not want that to happen again. Committing to peace and yet we see around us conflict, war, terror, atrocities. And only a week later we sit in church again with yet another story. And we groan and we question and we're angry because it's not what God intends. Why do we groan? Why do we have this gut reaction that joins with the whole of creation in saying this is not right? It is the work of the Spirit in us. God works through his Spirit to show us that it is not right, to give us that sense of incompleteness, The work of the Spirit allows us to know God better. In its simplest form, the Spirit works that we might know God. Sometimes we over-dramatize or over-complicate. But God's Holy Spirit works that we might know who God is. And he works at the core of who we are. And so it's through the power of the Spirit that we have this sense that it is not right. We have more than a sense of it not being right. Everybody watching the news today will know this is not how it should be. But we have a hope. Why can we come here today and continue to praise God when the world seems to be collapsing around us? Because of the hope that the Spirit gives us inside. The hope of things to come, that this is not God's last word. This is not how it will end. There is a future, a beautiful future, 
And we work towards that and we see glimpses of that as we go through. We ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit, that sense that we have an understanding, a taste of what is to come, the first fruits are the taste. They're not the whole, they're not the complete. They're the beginning of what is still to come. And so the Spirit works within us to show us the hope of what God is offering. So we groan, but with a sense of hope and purpose. And it's that deep thing within us that is the work of the Spirit. We recognize that we are living in the now but not yet, a phrase that we often use. We live in the beginning of God's kingdom, but it's not in its completion. Its completion won't come until Christ returns and the whole of creation is renewed. And we live with this sense of homesickness because we've had a taste of what is to come and it's not here yet. And we ache for it, we long for it. Really gut feelings going on inside. The work of the Spirit shows us life is not as it should be, but shows us a taste and gives us a glimmer of what is to come. More than that, the Spirit helps us in our weakness to pray. And that's going, we're moving from the big picture of creation groaning and not being in its right place to what does that mean for us today? That's all well and good. Who can know the mind of our Creator? I stand in awe of you. But actually, I'm here today in Wanish with all that is going on in my own life and in the life of the world. And what does this big picture mean to me today? What it means to me today is that I know the Spirit will help me to pray. He wants me to pray, even when I don't know how to pray. And that is just amazing. That all that stuff that is going on, we don't always have to articulate. It's enough just to feel it, to have that sense of groaning, but to trust that when we lift it to God and ask the Spirit to help us, he will intercede on our behalf, sustaining us, supporting us. How often do I not know how to pray? How often do I not know the words to use? How often am I with somebody and I cry with them and I do not know what to pray? That is okay because the Spirit hears that and intercedes on our behalf. And that is the hope of this passage today. That we have the Spirit within us allowing us to groan to utter, to say nothing, to cry, but that he will take all of that and will pray on our behalf. We don't need to always have the words. And I think that is one of the most amazing things. Paul says this, in the same way the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, But the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groans that words cannot express. What on earth does that mean? The Spirit intercedes for us with groans that words cannot express. Sometimes when we read this passage, it's interpreted as the gift of tongues. Personally, I don't think it is talking about this. 
But I want to talk a little bit about the gift of tongues because, again, I think we've sometimes got a, a bad idea of that and a false idea of how we understand that. We believe that the Holy Spirit gives gifts. Gifts that allow us to know God better. And there are many, many of them. And the gift of tongues is one of them. All of the gifts are there that we might have a closer relationship with God. That's all it's about. Nothing weird. The gifts of the Spirit allow us to have a deeper relationship with God. And the gift of tongues is one that helps us sometimes with language when we can't articulate. I think this is more than that, and we'll come back to this. But just as an aside, what is the gift of tongues? It's a gift that, as I say, allows us sometimes to articulate what we can't express. It's being able to speak in a language that isn't our normal language. A language that we haven't had to learn. And that seems a bit weird. But God gives that to help us to express our love for him. Either on those times when we don't know what to pray, or sometimes in times of worship, when actually our words are not enough. When words are not enough to say, you know, to know of what, who you are. I bow the knee. And sometimes the gift of tongues gives us a language, a God language, that expresses our deep love for him. And we might find ourselves using words that don't mean much to us. We don't understand what they are, but we know in our heart they're saying something of what is going on in here. As I say, sometimes the gift of tongues has been given a bit of a bad press. The charismatic movement has a lot of emphasis on the gift of tongues. And there's sometimes an assumption that if you're a really, really good Christian, you've got the gift of tongues. It's a sign of maturity in the faith. That is not the case at all. It is a gift like any of the others. Not everybody has the gift of prophecy. Not everybody has the gift of teaching. Not everybody has the gift of hospitality. Not everybody has the gift of tongues. But we all have some gift, whether we know it or not, whether we recognize it or not, because they are means that we get to know God better. So the gift of tongues is one gift just like all of them. It's not for the most mature Christians. Sometimes it's actually for Christians who are very new in their faith to help them express what they can't express. So actually sometimes it's a sign more of immaturity than maturity. It's not a sign that I'm a better Christian than you are. And sadly, it has had a little bit of a press that it's for those who really are walking fantastically with God. So we run the risk of either overemphasizing it or underemphasizing it. The risk of underemphasizing it is that it's so weird that actually we don't want to go there. We don't want to talk about it. In my early 20s, I was at Spring Harvest and there was an invitation to stand and to open ourselves to the Holy Spirit, to, to know the Holy Spirit at work in a new way in our lives. We all have the gift of, we all have the Holy Spirit working within us, but sometimes he comes in a different way to help us know God a little bit better. And so I stood hesitantly because I didn't do that in those days. You might not believe it, but I was very quiet, very insecure, very lacking in confidence. And I find myself standing thinking, what on earth am I doing? Absolutely terrified. But yet there was something inside that forced me to my feet. And I opened up my hands and prayed. And I find myself speaking in tongues. 
This was weird for me because I had spent four years at university studying French and German, really struggling to learn French and German. And the whole idea that you could be given a language that you hadn't had to slave over had been a massive block to me. And it was almost like God was saying, I'm taking away this blockage. That's your blockage, not mine. I can do what I choose to do. And I'm giving you a language that you can use to pray. And I don't speak in tongues all the time. Sometimes months can go by. But in my own prayer life, often when I don't know what to pray for, I find myself praying in tongues and finding great comfort in that because I haven't had to think of the words. I can do it silently. I can do it in a whispery way. If I'm on my own, I can do it out loud, but I rarely do that. But it's not weird. I don't swing from the chandeliers as I do it. It's precious because it helps me know God better. And he doesn't want us to feel weird or scared or in fear of him. It's a gift like any of the rest. So I want to put that out there because I think sometimes there is confusion over the gift of tongues. And it is a way in which the Spirit helps us to pray. There is no doubt about that. And when I have been hurting most inside... That is the time when actually praying in tongues has been of most help to me because I haven't had the language. But this passage is more than that. That's one part of it, but only one part. Because this is a promise to every believer that the Spirit will intercede for us when we can't. And that might be with silence. It might be in tears. It might be in rage. Where are you, God? And being so angry, but allowing those feelings to spill over because the spirit at work within us knows what is going on inside and takes that and presents it to God. And I find that so reassuring that God knows what is going on. It might be pain for myself, It might be confusion as to what is going on in the world around me. And I, words are important, but when I haven't got the words to use, the Spirit will pray on my behalf. Because God wants us to pray. Because prayer is talking to God. Again, we wrap it all up and we've got to have these long words. We've got to be able to put it all in the right order and say the right thing at the end. But prayer is talking to God. Again, let's simplify it and understand what it truly is. And God wants us to talk with him. And so he sends his spirit to help us to talk with him. And the spirit acts as interpreter. Have you ever had to interpret for somebody perhaps a child who's trying so hard to say what they really want to say and it might be through excitement they can't come out with it and you end up having to say to somebody else what they mean is that is what the spirit does we're like a child who can't quite put it into words and the spirit says God what Debbie's trying to say is this and that's what the spirit does and it's gentle 
and it's reassuring and it's powerful because I am so weak and my prayer life is so lacking. But the Spirit will work on my behalf because he takes what is going on. As I walk around Wanish and I pray, God, this is your place. Sometimes, if you live in Wanish, you sometimes see me walking around. And I often do walk and just pray, God, this is your place. What on earth am I doing here? What do you want me to do? I haven't a clue. And that is okay. And I walk and I just enjoy being here. And I enjoy seeing his beauty around. Knowing that as I do that, that sort of sense of I'm giving this time to you. But I haven't got very, very long prayers to give to you as I do it. But take what I'm experiencing as I walk and intercede on my behalf. The Spirit wants us to speak. God wants us to have that relationship of talking with God and helps us to do that. So we ought to do that more and more. And we ought to ask the Spirit to help us more and more because as Paul says, we are all weak. And it's so hard. And it shouldn't be hard It should be the most natural, most simple thing to say, God, here I am. And to allow the Spirit to interpret for us. And I sometimes think, why don't we do that more and more? Because we're British. Because we've got reserve. We don't like to admit, actually, we can't quite do that. We might be a bit nervous as to what this Holy Spirit might do. But my experience, and I'm getting on, I am getting on, my experience is that God has never done anything with me that has taken me to a place that I've not been comfortable with. He sometimes pushes me out a little bit, but never to a place that's been terrible or fearful or scary. Because that's not why he's doing it. If he wants the spirit to work within us, it's so that we know him. So he's not going to do something that's going to drive us away from him. And I trust him implicitly. And I pray, God, take my angst, my fears, my queries, my confusion, my grieving. This is my communication with you. In church, we try to pray for one another. We offer opportunities to do that. And I know sometimes that feels hard on a Sunday as well because we might not be in the right place. We might have rushed to get here. We offer prayer every time we have communion that you can go and pray in the chapel. Nothing magic goes on there. Nothing weird goes on there. It's just an opportunity to say, Holy Spirit, come. And that's all it is. And I would encourage you to take these opportunities. It doesn't have to even be in the chapel after communion. It could be at the end of the service talking to somebody and saying, I really need you to help me pray and to ask the Spirit to come and to help. And I think we should be doing it more and more as a family supporting one another. Last week, Darren came to talk to me. And he said that life in their family had reached a really difficult point. They'd been asked to move out of their house And last week, Darren said, I don't know where we're going to go. We've got two months' notice. We've got to find somewhere else to rent. And we don't know what to do. And Darren said, I'd love it if the church could support us in prayer. I said, fantastic, of course we will. How are we going to do that? 
our normal ways to put it on the prayer list and to pray for somebody in the intercessions. And something inside me last week was working. I said, Darren, I'm going to suggest something to you. I said, would you and Susanna be willing to come and stand? That we as a church might pray for you. Because I think we need our faith to be built. We need to reach out to God and say, we are lifting Darren and Susanna, Bethany and Ethan to you. Not quite knowing what the answer is and the outcome is. We're not going to give you a big shopping list and say, you know, we'd like a three-bedroom house in this street and we'd like a garden and, you know, we're going to pray for this and we're praying for a sign that, you know, when Darren knows it's the right one, there'll be an airplane above it with a love heart, whatever. (laughs) We're actually just going to say, here they are. Let's pray for them. And Darren went home to talk to his wife and emailed me during the week and said, yes, we would like that. And I am so grateful to Darren and Susanna for being brave enough to come and do that because I said to Darren, I said, this is more for us as a church than it is for you. Because I think we need to grow in confidence of praying when sometimes we don't quite know what to pray for and how to pray. And we need to know that we, as a, as a community, are asking God for something through the power of the Spirit and that we will watch and see what happens. We're trusting him. So we're going to do that now. We're going to get Susanna from Kresh. Bless her, she's on duty this morning. Um, and we're going to pray. And I wonder if there's anybody who's particularly close to Darren and Susanna who'd like to come and join me here. We're all going to be involved in this. We're all going to stand. But if anyone would like to be closer to them, then please do come and stand with them as well. Come and join me here. So if anyone else would like to come and be close around them, that would be fantastic. And this is a, this is a really powerful moment. Because this is saying, actually, this is, this is hard. God has actually been working already, and, and we're slightly further on than we were last week. But Darren and Susanna have to trust. We talk week after week about the loving God who knows our needs Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Give us today our daily bread. But this is real. When I pray that, I know I've got bread in the house, figuratively speaking. You don't know the solution. So this is a hard place. And we're going to pray that they will know God at work in their lives to provide them with what they need. So would you all like to stand? I'm going to start with some words. Then we're going to have a time of quiet to allow the Spirit to intercede. And then I'll close with some words. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Come to this dear family. Come, we pray. Holy Spirit, would you take the fears of Darren and Susanna, the anxieties, 
the hope they have in you, the trust, the questions, the decisions, the grieving that they're even in this situation, would you take all of that and intercede on their behalf to the Heavenly Father who knows our every need. In Jesus' name. Amen. Do you want to say anything, Darren, or not? Just thank you for this. This is huge for us. You know how much prayer is important to to all of us, but it's always been a prayer. It's been my testimony. It's how I found God. And I know that I'm just being patient. That's what he asks. Um, We want to rush it along. Of course we do. But he will deliver, I believe. And uh, thank you for praying. Thank you.